Good morning to each of you. Well, thank you for having me and my family this morning. It is our pleasure to be here. We open the Word of God to the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. Now, for those of you that were, were, at the, were at the hayride, some of this message may sound somewhat familiar. The, the title of tonight's message is Suffer the Little Children. Now, suffer is an old English term for permit. Permit the little children. Here in the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, in verse 14, the word of the living and the true God reads, But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. An important text is set before us. There will be uh, much more than just instruction for children found in our text. I'm not limited by, by time as I might have been that, that evening. There's much more to this text than, than what initially meets the eye. And uh, I did mean to say thank you for those hymns. Hymns about our, uh, about our Lord's birth, especially the fact that it was a virgin birth. Extremely important to know. And those, those hymns are favorites around, around our, our household, not just this time of year. But they're good all times of the year. They're good, they're good to sing all times of the year. <clears throat> There's joy in his birth and his coming at all times of the year. Here the Lord, in verse 14, is rebuking his disciples for not allowing the children to come unto him and those that were bringing them. See in verse, in verse 13, and they brought young children to him. This uh, term is, is not the brephos used of infants, but in Luke, Luke does use the term brephos. Brephos is also used to describe John the Baptist six months in his mother's womb. It's used of also little children. So uh, this is, these are infants as it is translated in Luke. This is even infants and small children. Small children, uh, they brought young, small infant, infants to young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. When Jesus saw that, when he saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer, or permit, the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. There are many reasons why a child would, why someone would bring a child to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of those reasons I would like to give you today as there will be uh, many, many gatherings of families for us, uh, for us to keep these things in mind. Children need to know these things. They're not taught these things in school as they once were. These things used to be taught in school. Scripture used to be why men learned to read. Do you know that that's what brought us out of the Dark Ages? The Dark Ages were called the Dark Ages because Scripture was hidden from most people. And it was spoken Latin. Most people didn't read Latin. Most people didn't speak Latin at that time. We were brought out of the Dark Ages because men desired to know the Word of God for themselves. And thus they taught themselves to read or were taught by others to read. That was so that they could understand what God had said. But there are many reasons why a child would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anxiety and healing, as, as we discussed the evening of the hayride would be one of those reasons. Do you have anxiety? Do you, desire, do you need healing? We've, you've discussed how many, many have been sick and how many have, have been, many have been healed. Well, that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. For anxiety, come to, come to Philippians. Come to Philippians chapter 4. 
chapter 4 and verse 6. Here Paul tells the Philippians and thus instructs us, be careful or full of care. We would say anxious. Careful used to, we use careful as cautious. Be cautious. We are, we need to be cautious. We look both ways before we cross the street. Now we, we cook what we eat so that we don't you know, eat, the, eat any bad bacteria that may have grown on it. We are cautious. He's not saying don't be cautious. He's saying don't be full of care. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, instead of being anxious, what are you to do? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what will happen when, that, when you do that? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God that passes all understanding. When you think of, if you've read any of the martyrs, any, any of the Christian martyrs that were put to death, some didn't, didn't even scream though they were burned at the stake. That only happens by the grace of God. Men in their own strength can't accomplish that. People don't understand how that can happen. People don't understand how, how Christians can suffer the way that they've suffered and yet rejoice. Be, give, give God thanks for that. That only happens by the peace of God that passes all understanding. We don't even understand how we can go through some of the things in this life and be thankful for them, be joyous in them. But it is the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you have anxiety, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. He'll take care of it better than you ever could. Whatever that issue may be, he will take care of it better than we ever could. If any needs healing, come to James chapter 5. <clears throat> James chapter 5 and verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now some, you, you might read some commentators that say, oh, it was the oil. The oil was, had medicinal uses in those days, but we have much better medicine. That may have been true. Maybe, maybe, maybe oil was used for medicinal purposes. Maybe so. But that's not what this text is talking about. This, this, this text is one of those in which we test, do we trust God? Oil, pour oil on his forehead. What is the oil representative of? The Holy Spirit, exactly. Why were the kings and the priests and the prophets anointed with oil? To signify the Holy Spirit coming upon them. That was the point. Anointing. Christ really means Messiah, Mashiach, the Hebrew term, means anointed one. He is God's, he is the true anointed one. He is the one that all the other ones that were anointed pointed towards. He is the true anointed one. This anointing with oil is to symbolize the coming of the Holy Spirit and healing to that person. The prayer, verse, verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Is it the prayer that makes it effectual or is it the Lord that does the healing? It is the Lord that, that does the healing and he is pleased to do so because his people asked for it and it was in accordance with his will. And the Lord shall raise him up and if he have committed sins they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
Again, it is not the righteous man that makes that prayer effectual. It's the Lord God that makes that prayer effectual. He is the one that provides the healing. Go to the Lord God if you suffer from anxiety. If you have any anxiety, even if you don't suffer from it and it just comes upon you for one instance or another, something you're concerned over, go to the Lord about it. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it better than you ever could for any reason. Friendship. Come to John chapter 15. Do you desire a true friend? A true friend, not a buddy old pal. Not somebody that will encourage you in your wicked ways. But a true friend. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is a true friend. John 15 and verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You realize that those for whom Christ died, he calls friends? He, call, he called us his friends. That's an amazing thing that the Lord God called you his friend. And that he calls, he calls you his friend, but then he gives us a, a, a condition. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. We're already his friend, but are we friendly to him? That's what he's talking about. Walk in his ways, that's how we show ourselves friendly to him. A, 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 if, a man, if a man will have friends, he must show himself friendly. The Proverbs tell us. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Does a servant always know what his master's doing? No. No, because he doesn't need to know. <clears throat> but I have called you friends, for all things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Not only did he, not only did he die on our behalf, and there's no greater love than that. He didn't, there was nothing other than the covenant he made with the Father in eternity. That made him stand in our place. There's nothing in us. There's nothing in us that made him stand in our place. We didn't deserve it. We didn't even want it. But he, he loved us. But with the great love wherewith he loved us. He went and died on our behalf. He has also not only done that. But also has made known unto us all things he heard of his father. Not only to us. Judas has already gone by this point in the gospel according to John. Judas left. Uh, I believe it was in verse tw uh, chapter 12 or 13. So he's just speaking to the true 11, the true 11 disciples, Christians. He is speaking to them, saying, I have made known unto you all that I heard of my Father. Proverbs 18, 24 tells us, tells us this, this truth. <clears throat> you remember that Christ not only is our friend, but he's our elder brother. We're joint heirs with Christ. He's the son of the living God. If we're joint heirs with him, he's the only begotten son of God. We're adopted sons of God. So that makes him our brother. Proverbs 18, 24 states this. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the true friend. He's the true friend that sticks even closer than a natural brother. He is our brother, and he's even closer than that. He is our true friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need true friendship, go to the Lord. He's the one that will provide it. Man will fail you. Man won't be there in your time of need. But Christ will. Does any need aid with sin? Come to 1 John. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2. I'm sorry, not 1 Peter. 1 John. Chapter 2, my little children, 
These things write I unto you that you sin not. John wrote these things not that they would walk in sin, not that they would continue to sin, but that they shouldn't sin. That's what we desire to do. We don't desire to sin. We don't want to do those things. Do we always walk this life perfectly? No, we do not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Have you seen a commercial on TV about how, did you take this drug and end up with this side effect? Well, we're an advocate for you. We'll fight for you. And we won't stop fighting till we win. They're an advocate. They'll fight for you. That's the Lord Jesus Christ for us when we sin. He's our helper. He's our comforter. Comforter isn't something that makes you all warm. And we call a big blanket a comforter. But that's not the type of comforter that the Lord Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit is. He's a strengthener. One that, one that comforts provides strength to, to get through whatever it may be. When he said, I send you another, another comforter, the Holy Spirit, uh, that is, by the way, another of the same kind. So he's just like the Lord. He's a, he's a strengthener. They were wondering, how are we going to make it without the Lord with us? I'll send you another comforter that will get you through it. And he'll bring to your mind everything that, I, everything that I've told you. <clears throat> he is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our parakletos. He's the one that comes alongside and strengthens. He is the one that comes alongside and, and helps us through it. He is the one who fights for us. He's the one that fights for us, and he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. He's never lost any of his sheep. Did he, didn't, did he not say so? He said, I will not lose any of my sheep. Does any need direction or wisdom? Come to 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> I hope, adults, you're seeing that this isn't only for children. There will be many reasons why children would come to Christ, but there's, there's even uh, just as many reasons why adults would come to Christ. All of these reasons don't just apply to why children would come. 1 Corinthians 1.24 but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. Remember I said, does any desire wisdom? Does any need wisdom? We need wisdom in these days, by the way. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. When you read in the book of Proverbs about wisdom, and wisdom is speaking, wisdom cries in the streets, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. That's not just some esoteric thing. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the wisdom of God. You read that. That's about him. He is the wisdom of God. He is the one in whom all wisdom dwells. Come to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. In whom, we'll get verse 2 so that you see that this is about Christ, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and, and of the Father and of Christ, in whom, in Christ, Colossians 2 and verse 3, in, in whom, that is in Christ, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the one that has all wisdom and knowledge. He is the one by whom all things were created. So he knows all things. He is the one who accomplishes his will among the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. He is the one that is in control of everything. So why would we not go to the one 
who is in control of everything for wisdom and for guidance. Come to, come to James, and that's exactly what James exhorts these brethren to do. James chapter 1, and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, what are we to do? Let him ask of God that giveth all, to all men liberally, to all men without, without reproach, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Liberally, he's not a, not a modern-day liberal. He doesn't, uh, one thing here you notice, that he doesn't give wisdom to each man equally. Because that, that, uh, that would make him a socialist. He's not. He's not. He gives, he gives to his people liberally, willingly. He, he, there's, no, there's no strings attached to the wisdom that he provides. Because the wisdom that he provides will only be in accordance with his word, walking in his ways. He's not going to give you something, oh, I know my word says to do this, but I'm going to tell you to go over here. He would never do that. He's not the author of confusion, as we're told elsewhere in the scriptures. But let him ask in faith. That isn't, uh, faith is not an esoteric thing. When Abraham, what did Abraham do that was counted to him as righteousness? Did he believe in God? No, he believed God. He believed what God said. He trusted what God said. He believed that God would fulfill exactly what he said he would fulfill. He didn't just believe that God existed. He believed that what God said was true. There's a difference. <clears throat> Let him ask in faith. That is, believing that God will actually do what he says he would do. He, he says he will grant wisdom, but let that person ask, believing that he will give him wisdom. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Are the waves always still when there's wind? No. They're, 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 they're tossed up and down. The sea is not flat when there's lots of wind. Him that wavers, him, him that asks God that doesn't believe he will perform what he says he will do, is like that sea. Let that for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Just reciting a prayer, oh Lord, give me wisdom, when not actually you don't actually believe he's going to give you wisdom, the Lord's not going to do that. The Lord Christ actually acknowledged that truth when he taught the Lord's Prayer. Do not, like the Gentiles, say the same thing over and over again, thinking you'll be heard for your much speaking. Now, if you have the same prayer on your heart, Pray it, but don't think that you'll be heard just because you repeat it a hundred thousand times. When, when the, there, there is a, a so-called organization that teaches people, oh, just say this so many times and you'll be forgiven. That's not how that works. <clears throat> you won't be heard just for your, much, for your much speaking. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. One that says something and does something completely different is unstable in all of his ways. So where do we go for wisdom? We go to the Lord God, believing that he will grant that wisdom because he said he would. He said he would grant that wisdom. One thing that, that might be bothering some this time of year, especially when families are getting together, is the, that they themselves do not have a spouse. Who do we go for for that? Come to Genesis 24. I'd like to show you an example. <clears throat> Genesis 24. Remember, we go to the Lord for everything. Genesis 12, 24 and verse 12. This is after Abraham has, had made his servant swear, promise, that 
he would not allow Isaac, Abraham's son, to marry a Canaanite, to marry those outside of Abraham's family. So he tells his servant, go back to the land of my people. Choose from my family. Yes, this would have been his cousin. Choose from my family a wife for my son. Verse 12, he prays the servant gets there. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I, st- I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass, that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, and I may drink, and she shall, sh- she shall-, shall say, say that five times fast, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master." So he acknowledges the Lord. Lord, let it be who you desire for it to be. This is how I will know that you have heard my prayer. Let it be the one that, said, that says and does these very things. <clears throat> Drop down to verse 26. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. Because exactly what he asked the Lord to perform, the Lord performed. He acknowledged the Lord in finding a spouse for his, for his master, his servant, or the Lord's servant, Isaac, his master's son. And the Lord performed exactly what he, what he requested. Verse 27, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy, my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. The Lord led him exactly where he wanted him to be, and the Lord gave him exactly who he wanted to give him. That is Rebecca. And he acknowledged the Lord in that way. When we don't know what to do, what should we do? Acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he'll direct your paths. That is, he'll make your path straight. He'll make your path smooth. Men want to reverse that. Men want to make their own paths and want the Lord to acknowledge them. That's not how that works. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he'll direct your paths. He'll make them straight. The Lord will, will guide you down a straight way. Does any need protection? Come, to Mark, come back to the gospel according to Mark chapter 4. As you're, as you're getting there, think about David and Goliath. Did David, tackle, did David handle Goliath by his own strength or by the strength of another? He said, the Lord that delivered the bear and the lion into my hand will also deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand. The same sword that Goliath desired to spear, uh, uh, spear David with and feed him to the birds or to the dogs or whatever it was that, that he threatened David with, that same sword David used to take off Goliath's head. The violence of another will always be returned upon their own head. I've, told, I've mentioned before, I don't know how many times that's mentioned in the Psalms and in the Proverbs, but I know it's, it's, near, it's nearing a dozen that, I, that I've just counted off the top of my head. The Lord will always fall, cause one who digs a ditch for others to fall therein. The snare that they laid for others, they themselves will be caught with. That happens time and time again. Think Haman. What happened to Haman? He got hung by his own gallow that he desired to, to hang uh, Mordecai with. <clears throat> but he himself was hung, hung with. Protection. 
Mark chapter 4 and verse 37. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Jesus and the disciples are in a boat crossing, crossing the sea, and he was in the hinder part. He, Christ, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They're in a great storm, and the, the Lord Christ is asleep. Strange time to be asleep, one, one would think. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Another one of my favorite hymns, Master, the Tempest is Raging, is about this, uh, is about this, very, uh, this very text and the parallels. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. If any needs protection, the Lord that's, that's Lord over wind and the sea, he's also Lord of the rest of his creation. Go to him for protection. He has the ability and does cause the wind and the sea and the creatures, the floods, as you'll read many times in the scriptures about the floods speaking and the floods having, having, having been personified. That's, the, that's people, flood of people. And he stops them. He stops them. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith or little faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? They didn't understand quite at this point the nature of the God-man. For he is the one that created everything. He is the one in control of all things. If you need protection, go to him. Who protected Lot and his family? Who pulled them? Who was merciful unto them, pulling them out of Sodom? The Lord. And the Red Sea. Who provided protection for the Israelites? The Lord. The Lord. And, and there, you read in Jude, it was the Lord Jesus specifically. He's the one who led them out of Egypt. <clears throat> Most importantly, why would anyone come to the Lord Jesus Christ for, for their salvation? For understanding what it is that he had done for them. Come to Colossians. Back to Colossians chapter 2. I'd like to show you how he accomplished this, this feat. Colossians 2 and verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that is, our heart had not been, the, the circumcision of the flesh was a picture. The, the Abrahamic covenant circumcision of the flesh was a picture of the circumcision of the heart that only God can do, the circumcision made without hands. And the, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened. And you cut your fingernail too, too close to the quick, it hurts because it's alive. He made you alive. You ha hath he made alive together with him, that is Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us. We didn't even want to do them. Not only were they against us because we couldn't do them, they are contrary to us because we didn't want to do them. Took it out of the way. How did he do it? Nailed it to the cross. When Christ was on that cross, the Lord God, his Father, it pleased the Lord to crush him, we read in Isaiah 53, to bruise him, to crush him. Why did it please him? It didn't please him to kill his son. It pleased him to bring his, his, uh, his, uh, his children back into proper relationship with him. Amen. Why did that happen? Because he saw, our, he saw us on the cross. He saw our sins imputed to our Lord Christ on the cross. 
Now when he looks at us, you know, he doesn't see us. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Nailing them being nailed to the, our sins being nailed to the cross. He triumphed over all principalities and powers openly. He made it known. And let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of any holy day or, or of the moon or of the Sabbath days. Because those are pictures. Don't, the Lord Jesus Christ saved us from all of our sins. So don't let, don't let any man do that, do that unto you. <clears throat> Come to Romans 5.9. For by his blood, these things happened. He had, he had to shed his blood. That was, that was a requirement. Amen. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We're saved from wrath through the Lord Jesus Christ by the shedding of his blood. When he shed his blood, we were justified. When he died, he, he saved us. When he said it was accomplished, when he said it was finished, he wasn't kidding. It wasn't a potential finish, finishing. It was a true finishing. It was all done at that point. The only thing that was left was for us to come into an understanding of it. And that's, that's where faith comes in. That's where believing God comes in. Because that new man, he can't help it. He can't help but believe God. He can't help but trust that the Lord Jesus Christ died for him, knowing that he died for him. Why did he have to shed his blood? Hebrews 9.22 tells us, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. That's why he had to shed his blood. All the, that's why all the, everything in the Old Testament was sanctified with blood. We, we, may, we may say, oh, that's, that's gross. Why did, why did God do it that way? Love isn't always pretty. Love isn't always pretty. There, there's, there, the Lord Jesus Christ hated sin. That's why he asked the Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless... Not my will, but thine be done. Don't, don't, don't just have pity on me. If there, I want to save these people. If there's any other way, let's, let's do it that way. You know that there was no other way. There is no other way to the Father but by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by him. <clears throat> not Buddha, not Muhammad, not, not the CCP. No, no, no political party, no nothing can save just the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. He is the one that caused all of these things to happen. How do we know that we love him? Come to 1 John. How do we know that, that, we've been, that we have been born again, that we, that, that we have been saved? Come to 1 John 5. Whosoever believeth. That Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. So whosoever believeth, present tense, you're believing now, is evidence that you are born, completed tense, somewhere in the past, you were born of God. Your present tense believing shows that you were born of God, somewhere in the past. You, don't, you're, you never become unborn. Just, just like your first birth, you can't become unborn. That isn't, that isn't an option. Men may confuse terms and may end up saying it's an option. People are crazy today. It may come up. I don't know. Twenty years ago, I'm sure nobody would have thought that we would be where we are today. But 
Scripturally, you can never become unborn, whether physically or spiritually. You can never become unborn in the flesh or unborn in the spirit. It isn't an option. So your present tense believing is showing that you were born of God somewhere in the past. And everyone that loveth him that begat, that is God, because Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Him, love him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So if you love God, you'll love him that's begotten of God. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. How did, how did Jesus say to the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests, how did he say that they weren't sons of Abraham? Because if you were a son of Abraham, you would love me. He loved me. He saw my day and was glad. They, oh, but we have a father, uh, father that is God. And he said, God's not your father or else you'd love me because I came from him. Because him that loves God will love him that's begotten of him. Not only the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the rest of his people will love the rest of them that are begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So how do we, how do we show that we love the children of God? By keeping his commandments, by walking in his ways. That is, that is how we know that we, that we have passed from death unto life, that we love the children of God. Come back to chapter 3 of 1 John. Verse 11, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, in case there was any question, Cain was a child of the devil, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Why did he do that? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. He hated his brother because his brother believed God. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. It is, it makes it there how we know that we passed from death to life. Verse 23, <clears throat> and this is the commandment that we should believe on, on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. There's the commandment, how we know that we love the children of God, that we're doing those very things by walking in those commandments, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, loving his people. Now, we come back to our text. These are reasons why we would come to the Lord Jesus Christ, why children would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. For anxiety and for healing, for true friendship, for aid with sin, for direction and for wisdom, for protection, and most importantly, for salvation. But there's an instruction here specifically for adults. Specifically for, for, for adults in verse 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Now, in verse 14, he, he was displeased with the disciples because they forbid the children from coming and those that brought them. Why would they have said, no, 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 don't come, don't come to the Lord? Oh, the Lord's busy. He's got, you're bothering him. He's got things to do. But you know what the Lord did? He may, I'm sure he was very busy going about his father's business. Obviously, this was also his father's business. But he made a point to stop what he was doing. He wasn't too busy for children. There's a point, there's a point in learning for us adults. That we're not too busy for children. The Lord isn't too busy. We shouldn't be too busy either. <clears throat> I'm, I'm preaching to myself also. 
just, just in case. The preacher needs to hear even the words that come out of his own mouth. So if he's not too busy, we shouldn't be either. But why, why, let, why let them come? For of such is the kingdom of God. Tuyotes is the Greek term there, and, and it is elsewhere rendered such an one, like, or and such a man. Mark, Mark 4.33, he's making an, a comparison. Such, like this. So while the, while the actual is true, there are children in the kingdom of God. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. He leapt in his mother's womb at the, uh, at the presence of the mother of his Lord, at the presence of Mary. And, it, and she is described that way. Elizabeth calls her the mother of my Lord. And uh, Samuel, called as a child. Uh, Jeremiah, sanctified from his mother's womb. There are children in the kingdom of God. There is also the metaphor that the Lord is drawing from that, from that actual reality. What about children? And so of this kind or type is what such, of such would mean. Of this kind or type. What are children like? They believe you. They trust you. They just believe whatever it is that you say. Implic they trust you implicitly. My children aren't worried about what's going to... They may ask what's for dinner, but they're not concerned about having dinner because they just know it's going to be there. Your children aren't, aren't concerned about these things because they know that you provide for them. They know that you handle all the things that you handle even though they don't understand any of those things. My, my children don't understand finances like an adult does. They just trust that those things are handled. They just, they, they just, they just trust their parents. For of such is the kingdom of God. Do we trust God implicitly? Because that's what it's saying. Just trust that he'll, you're just going to take care of it because you're God and I'm not. Trusting him implicitly. They just simply believe whatever it is that God has said. <clears throat> There's an exhortation for us found in that text. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. The ones that don't believe God will not be on, and let me explain this phrase, the royal side of his kingdom. His kingdom's without end. His kingdom's overall. Every person is in his kingdom, either as a subject of his rule or on the royal side. His children. What are the children of a king? A prince or, or a princess? But we're called kings. And priests unto our God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done, Revelation 5.9. We are on the royal side, if you will, of his kingdom. We're told that we will rule and reign with Christ Amen. in the book of the Revelation. During his visible reign. He reigns now. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords now. Amen. Not just in the future. He reigns over all now. But there, there are... Uh, there are children and, and those that believe God, believe his word, make up his royal, the royal side of his kingdom, his children, his people that are within the castle, if you will. His people, those that make up his family, his family. And he took them up in his arms in verse 16, put his hands on them and blessed them. 
Something, something for us all to keep in mind why we would come to the Lord Jesus Christ and that of such, those, those that believe his word, of such is the kingdom of God. Of such make up the royal side of his kingdom. May we be followers of God as dear children, as we're told in Ephesians 5.1, believing all that he has said, coming to him for every need, whether spiritual, whether temporal, whether, whether temporary, whether earthly, or eternal. May we come to him for everything, whether a child or whether an adult, whether a parent, a grandparent. We always have need of the Lord. Let's bow before him. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it instructs us, how uh, 